What's up, everyone? This is Goldilocks, former TNA backstage interviewer, manager, and you're listening to TNA Cross the Line podcast. Thanks for being here. TNA Wrestling Cross the Line. And we're back with episode 176 of the TNA Cross the Line podcast. I am Bob Cunning Jr. With me, as always, is Dallas Gridley. And Dallas, we are coming off of Slammiversary. And folks, we have a new NWA TNA World Heavyweight Champion. He achieved his destiny after arriving in January of 2003. Losing probably the biggest title match, maybe even to this point still, against Jeff Jarrett on April 30th, 2003. And then feuding with the guys like Abyss, Shane Douglas, Punk and De Niro, Sabu, Luigi Styles, Javari, Eric Watts. Dustin Rhodes. It's pretty much Raven, the whole roster at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> Raven finally wins the title. Now, on the pre-show, Jeff Jarrett got arrested and got kicked out. And then Sabisco put in Raven, who had quit the company on TV. So then Raven was in the King of the Mountain match. And by God, he pulled it off. Ravens champion Dallas has been doing cartwheels. He is so happy. Mm-hmm. It's like the greatest moment of his life. But now Ravens. <laughs> I think he's coming in. Possession is nine tenths of the law. Now he fully has it. He does. I mean, he literally has it. But the Raven reign is going to begin as an online exclusive. Hmm. Because, folks, we do not have Fox Sportsnet. We do not have WGN. By God, we have an internet connection. And that's where Impact will live. So, Dallas, how excited are you for Raven's Reign? And also, being on the internet. I'm definitely excited about Raven's uh, title reign. I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. Uh, the internet thing, the fact that he's not even going to be on television as a champion at this point is certainly interesting. I don't know how it's going to go. Um, as you noted, you have not really seen any of these episodes of Impact. I've seen none of the internet onlys. I I am very doubtful that I have. Um, so this is going to be very interesting. Um and uh, you you know you mentioned Jeff Jarrett being arrested and all that stuff. There, when we get into these notes for Slammiversary and what happens before Slammiversary, this is a heavy hitter today, Bob. And that moment in particular, uh, there's some stuff behind it, and I think it's quite interesting. 
So we got um, we got quite the show for you guys today before we jump into uh, our internet television episode of Impact from June 24th, 2005. Uh, anniversary though, uh, I thought it was pretty solid. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm not going to run down the card because we're going to talk about it. We're going to go through Dave Meltzer's star ratings of the matches as well as uh, some thoughts about all the matches. So I guess, Bob, without further ado, uh, before we get into that, there's a quick um, thing he's got written here, and there's some huge news that goes along with it. Um, and then we will go into our Slammiversary stuff, including the poll results from The Observer. So, after Slammiversary, TNA enters its third year with the same major questions it had uh, entering year one, and year two, what is the business plan to make money? And of course, at this point, we ain't making any money. We're just not. Right. Uh, we're paying money to be on TV and then having production losses. So after two years of major money losses, limited visibility, and lots of very good wrestling matches, the company finds itself back to where it started, trying to run pay-per-view shows without any television. Um, and that's, of course, where we were talking originally about Slumiversary. Because there was two TVs and then three weeks of nothing. Um, while this is not 100%, it does appear that the decision has been made to not buy airtime on FSN this summer. And wait for Spike TV to be cleared of its WWE commitments in late September. It's a risky proposition for a number of reasons. The biggest being in television business, if you don't have a signed deal, you don't have a deal. Although the word... We get is people are very confident this deal will come through, but we also heard uh, about the last deal. So remember, we heard that WGN was done. It didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Uh, there doesn't appear to be a backup plan now that WGN is out of the running. The two things regarding negotiations with Spike TV that have come out are they are looking at the velocity time slot, which is what we had figured uh, but was not confirmed, which is Saturday at 11 p.m., and that Spike wants TNA to pay for the time, something we're told was not the case with WGN. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, the advantage of WGN yeah. is Spike, or over WGN, sorry, is that Spike is a more watched station. TNA would be following UFC programming, which at least in theory would draw a similar audience. And it is available in 81% of the country as opposed to 55% for WGN. And WGN is not available in cable viewers in New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles, which is three of the most important markets for business and population. I mean, those are three huge cities. Yeah. So the company announced at Slammiversary that it would still be doing television during the interim. Uh, it appears they will tape once per month doing four shows after oh. every pay-per-view event. Yes, that's correct. Uh, to save on transportation, uh, and but it's, of course, going to be making for long evenings. So this starts... one night they're doing this. Yeah, it starts today. Uh, We're doing the Raw from 95, baby. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm... Okay, well, here's the thing with this cycle out the crowd right i think you have to the park so you should be able to like get other people in. or I, I wonder this is just my i don't think they hit anything about this at least not right now could they do 
an early afternoon show and then like a later afternoon. So then it would almost guarantee a different crowd. Do like two hours to two hours. So they do two shows in the beginning, two shows later and then the day. Yeah, it's like one at like one and then another one at like five or, or seven. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me, but Yeah, I could do that. I could see that. So apparently here to save time, um, they did seven and a half hours of interviews, uh, interview pre-tapes the day before. And none of those interviews appeared in front of the people in Orlando. So I think that's important to know is like we're doing backstage stuff that we're not showing to the crowd so that the crowd's probably mostly getting matches in like in ring right. promos. Um, now, the shows that they're doing here are going to be used to fulfill overseas deals. Uh, but it will air in the U.S. late on Friday nights on Sun Sports, which is a Florida-based sports network that is available nationally to dish owners who buy the FSN premium package, which is a very minimal clearance outside of Florida. But it will also be broadcast on the Internet every Friday for free. It's better than nothing, but any fan who's going to watch the show on the Internet has probably already made up his mind if they're buying the pay-per-views, and you aren't going to make new fans this way. Uh, so back to those, the promo, you said seven and a half hours of promo. That's what, that's what he's got written here, dude. Okay. So on average, a backstage promo is probably like what? Three minutes. That's what I mean. So I don't know. I'm seven and a half hours. Seems like quite a bit of time. Yeah, that's insane. And then they're on sun sports and he's, I mean, he's right. I mean, you're not going to. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get any casuals through the internet. No, you're just no way. You, you're gonna get your diehard to to find it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's absolutely right about that. Uh, now we we learned about this on um, some anniversary, but this makes a lot more sense reading it in context here. So because of the lack of television, it appears the booking direction is to build everything toward October 23rd, which is the new pay per view called Bound for Glory. So we saw the big Bound for Glory picture, and that's why we're pushing for that, is essentially to go to there. Now, there's more reasons for this. So they're pushing this as their answer to WrestleMania. It's like their biggest show, right? Uh, This would be the the big blow-offs to the major programs that will be built over the next four months. Either way, that show is going to be a measuring stick. Now, if the company does make a deal with Spike, this show is going to have to show that the Spike exposure increases buys to show that they're at least building something. Now, if no deal with Spike or someone else is made by late October, the company would be hard-pressed to viably continue. So, essentially, this is going to prove they're doing good. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Hey, get ready. Heavy hitters coming out here. So, before Slammiversary, there were two major stories involving the company's biggest names. Dusty Rhodes and Jeff Jarrett. Apparently, the decision was made by the new booking committee to oust Rhodes from his figurehead director of authority position and replace him with Larry Zbysko. Now, Dave says, my gut says, the reason is, as the former booker, Rhodes would likely second-guess his replacements. Rhodes was told by Terry Taylor, who being close to head booker, Scott Demore, has turned into a talent liaison of sorts, that he was being let go. So Rhodes is being told he was being let go. Although it was said that he uh, may be brought back in a new role once they get television. Now Rhodes apparently was complaining that it was Taylor and not someone directly on the committee who gave him word and immediately had his people put out word that he had quit 
So Dusty Rhodes is gone. Yeah, so Sabisco's been the on-air guy for weeks now, hasn't he? Well, we've been seeing a, quite a bit of him, right? Yeah. Which is interesting because we also – we did see Dusty still kind of in that position uh, with Styles. Uh, to have, I mean, he made – He made this, like, Ortiz thing. The Ortiz thing. So that was the last time we kind of saw, I think, Dusty in that role. I feel like we saw him – I can't remember if we saw him on the impact after or not, like in the role, but we'd also saw, obviously saw Zabisco because of the stuff with Raven. Right. It's, it's very interesting, but, um, big news nonetheless. Now, uh, we still got some, some more here. So this is kind of going to dip into the other parts of this and why he may be able to go and all that. So, the subject of who would win King of the Mountain match and thus be NWA champion was a major subject of debate all week. What we know is this. Early in the week, an indie promoter who deals lots with TNA wrestlers and the titles was told that Jeff Jarrett was getting the title back. And the feeling is just about everyone in the business, aside from Jeff and Jerry uh, Jarrett, realized that the timing couldn't have been worse for such a decision. It is also pretty clear that Jeff and Jerry Jarrett are angling to get power back. Dave says, I'm not sure how it went down, but Raven, who just a few months ago appeared to be on his last legs with the company, came out of the show as NWA champion. It is uh, believed that AJ Styles wasn't unhappy about losing the title after one month, as he wanted to apparently be back in the X Division. Perhaps with the current booking committee, the X title will end up being the main event title or at least being booked as being on par with the world title instead of being used as the secondary belt. So, however, it's being reported that Jarrett didn't take the change well and refused to participate in the main event. And, <laughs> and that, at this point, <clears throat> and at this point, has no planned match for the next pay-per-view either. So this wow. is pretty crazy. Uh, one wrestler in the match was even openly talking to fans about Jarrett refusing to do the match because the King of the Mountain is his gimmick, and he didn't want to lose. And many people in the industry as a whole and the wrestlers in the company were privately talking about how much respect they lost for Jarrett over this. Jarrett was trying to save face when asked uh, by fans about it, saying that it was part of a larger angle that will make sense. <laughs> Ridiculous, right? Well, here's the thing. I under I can understand his reasoning of like I don't want to lose because it's my gimmick, right? Like King of the Mountain, whatever. Right. But like yeah. Undertaker, he like barely ever wins a casket match. It, no, he wins all the casket matches. Well, but it's like while, well, okay, in the beginning he did. But then he started yeah. losing them all. I feel like <laughs> Hell in a Cell. Oh yeah. Like he lost the first one, you know, and then he you know won a couple or whatever. But he's yeah, lost. Right. Quite like quite a few Hell in a Cell matches. Buried alive. Buried alive. How many life. times have he been buried alive? Right. Yeah. So. I mean, I get it, but it's also like, dude, come on. Right. And you know what? He's a delusional heel character anyway. So even if he loses, he can still hmm. proclaim, you know, he's still came out or whatever. Right. I ain't never been panned. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So they ended up shooting the angle before the show where Jarrett attacked the fan painted up to look like Jeff Hardy, who I ha I know who it is. It's not the just a fan. 
It is Georgia indie wrestler Sal Renaro. Really? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Yeah. Um, so I after, wish I got a better look when he attacked the fan because I might have been able to recognize. Dude, it happened so quick, too, that, like... Yeah, I pulled I him over. Like, mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. after that, he was arrested uh, during the, uh, of course, pre-show show. So, Zabisco announced that Raven was his replacement. It could be Raven getting the title uh, because... Uh, is because with having to change the main event and throw Raven in, they felt the story, the best storyline finish was the guy who was fired to win the title, essentially. Uh, which this angle has apparently been largely dropped because Raven was actually not supposed to even wrestle on the show since he was fired by Rhodes for attacking Zabisco at the final tapings. So he wasn't even like really supposed to be here, but whatever, doesn't matter. Um, more likely, the decision was made that for the next few months, whatever audience the company has is internet-generated, and it's too early for Monty Brown, as he's cold right now and needs a few months of strong build until he could headline. You know, that's their opinion, I guess. Uh, uh, for the audience, they are gearing toward Raven, was seemingly the best candidate coming out of the match, and Styles is being moved to the X Division. So it almost seems like he was their second choice, which is kind of sad, but whatever. Yeah, but doesn't it seem kind of weird that a guy like AJ Styles would rather not be the world champion and just work the exhibition. I feel like I've said that before because I feel like he said this like this is definitely Victory Road or before, something. Yeah, it's like he wants to be like the work great guy and he doesn't want to just be the world champion. Yeah, and I could see like the exhibition title getting more of a focus and being like a a bigger deal, a, a main event type of uh, championship, I guess. But right, me too. This is kind of kind of weird. I thought so too. I agree. Uh, now, Raven was scheduled either way to return with a major main event level push as babyface, and it's rumored, at least at this point, that he'd likely um, kind of do a program with Abyss, who, of course, right. he's got history with. Um, so it kind of makes sense. Uh, one more thing here, and then we are going to head right into Slim Reversary. Uh, besides Jarrett, the key names notable by their absent on this lineup. Um, and this is talking about just here in general, um, is Matt and Jeff Hardy. And now you're wondering, well, Matt Hardy's not here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they were sp- scheduled to return uh, here. It, well, Jeff Hardy specifically returned. But now at press time, Hardy refused to make a written commitment to appear on the show. Whether that's Slammiversary or the tapings, I'm not sure. He doesn't really say. I'm assuming Slammiversary. Um, the company was not strong on Jeff returning without Matt, though, um, although that may happen down the line. Now, Matt Hardy was invited to Orlando for the show, and, well, he didn't come. And wh- whether right or wrong, there was a feeling that Matt is WWE bound within the next uh, within the week based on the TVTs, uh, and he has seemingly cold feet here. Huh. Uh, so James Gibson was brought in and pitched uh, a deal. Uh, he hadn't agreed to it but seemed more open to it than in the past, uh, where uh, when he wasn't interested because John Laurinaitis asked him to not go to TNA, at this point, it appears if WWE doesn't sign him that he'll end up going to TNA. So we will find out if uh, Matt Hardy shows up. So you know who James Gibson is, right? Yeah, it's, um, what's his freaking other name? Um, I do know. I can't think of his other name right now. God damn it. Jamie Noble. Jamie Noble, yeah. God. So, okay, that 
really is interesting to me that he could go to TNA. Um, cause I really like James Gibson's run on the Indies for like ring of honor and IW mid South and for, uh, FIP Florida or no, not Florida full impact pro what the fuck am I talking about? Full impact pro. So, and he would be a really good fit for an X division type of thing. Cause like in WWE, mm-hmm. he had a really good cruiser rate run. He's not a high flyer per se, but he can do the suplexes and add that, you know, that different kind of style that fits, still fits in with it. Um, so that's very intriguing. Now, obviously, I don't believe that's going to happen. No, I don't think it is. So that sucks. But it's nice to know that TNA had uh, a look for him. Or they were trying to get him. That's pretty right. good. Pretty cool. I think it would have been interesting. Okay, Bob, are you ready to talk about Slammiversary again? Probably the last yeah, I'm time. ready to listen to what Meltzer has to say about it. Yeah, there's some pretty interesting stuff here. Um, and then, honestly, I think... Yeah, this is we're going right into the show after this. I just checked. And honestly, dude, we don't have a lot to talk about during the show. Very light on notes, uh, which um, is good sometimes and bad other times. We kind of got some of the heavy hitters out of the way here already, though, so... Um, so, first off, me and Bob, we gave that a thumbs up. We enjoyed Slammiversary overall. So, Bob, what do you think that the readers of the Wrestling Observer newsletter thought? I'll say they went thumbs up. They did. 60% gave it a thumbs up. 18.1% gave it a thumbs down. And 21.9% were in the middle. So, not too bad overall. Not too bad. Um, what do you think was voted on as the best match of the show? Um, Obviously, we didn't say it again, but hopefully something sticks out to you. King of the Mountain. I was in second place. All right. Uh, Daniel Saban Chain. Right. Daniel Saban Chain, then the King of the Mountain, and then actually there's another one listed, which is Shocker and Alex Shelley. Hmm. And what about the worst match? Uh, Ron Killings and Outlaw. Yep, that's right. Uh, by a landslide. Um, a lot of people voted. And then, actually, Shocker and Alex Shelley was also there, but by, like, significantly less votes. That's so weird to me. That there's, oh, like, their best match and also worst match. That's so weird to me. Yeah, it's very weird how it's split like that. So, the uh, this show, uh, overall, on June 19th from Orlando was good, but Dave says nothing blow away. The crowd was usual full house of 775, with about 200 more were turned away. So, that's good. People were interested, even without all the TV and everything, to come to this. Um, and we kind of already talked about this, but there's some more details, so we're just going to go over it again. The pregame show opened with Zabisco doing a burial of Rhodes. Um, they showed clips of Rhodes losing control. There was a great deal of animosity regarding Dusty Rhodes here. Uh, Zabisco, who has his own legit issues with Rhodes over the past year, uh, played Hatchet Man. Uh, when Rhodes got word that he was being let go, he immediately posted on his website that he was quitting. And got the word out. Now, because of there's a version of the Jerry Angle, not the version that was done, but close enough, uh, and it did include key points that Jerry wasn't going to work the main event because he wasn't getting the title, uh, got out. So once the, a version of the Angle got out internally, fingers were pointed at Rhodes with the belief that it was one of his friends who spread the word. Zabisco used a line about people who claim they've quit their positions when in actuality 
they'd been canned and asked for a brief moment of laughter over it. So they like really shit on Dusty Rhodes um, yeah. during this promo here. Yeah. Um, they're pretty pissed, apparently. Uh, Raven came out and did the interview ripping Zabisco for putting Sean Waltman in the main event. So at this point, the wild card is announced, as we discussed on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least we guessed. We didn't actually know, really. But um, Jarrett came out and laughed at him using every bingo hall cliche in the book. He ended up with Jarrett hitting uh, the Sal Renaro, who's Jeff Ruby, like Jeff Hardy. He says with a guitar shot, but did they show us with the guitar shot? I know he pulled him over the barricade, but. I think, I think, yeah, I think it was. I don't, I don't remember. So, okay. So he also had another guitar shot. Jerry Jarrett even came out during this angle, which is a very rare, probably the second time he's ever appeared on camera in TNA. And the first one was a taped interview. Yeah. Crazy. Um, As TNA security tossed Jarrett out and Raven was announced as getting the spot. So crazy stuff. So in the first dark match, um, we mentioned on the show, but Simon Diamond and Trayton, odd-ass tag team, defeated Apollo and Sonia Siaki when Diamond superkicked Siaki and Triton pinned Siaki after a chokeslam. That's how that went down. He does not rate that at all. And it's the only dark match. I don't even have a time on it, so it just happened. Uh, opening the show, Shark Boy won a six-way elimination match over Delirious, Zach Gowan, Jarrell Clark, Amazing Red and Elix Skipper in six minutes and 27 seconds. Gowan tripped and fell on his ass walking to the ring, which is pretty funny. Uh, luckily, it wasn't an omen of things to come. This was a short, fast-paced, big-move match. The finish saw Shark Boy pin Delirious after the Dead Sea drop. Uh, you really couldn't ask for more out of a match like this. He gives us three and a quarter stars. Mm. Shocker defeated Alex Shelley next in 10 minutes and 41 seconds. Dave says just a hell of a performance by Shelley here, particularly when it came to Matt Wrestling. Storyline was Shelley was going to use his European moves to overcome Shocker's lucha mat work. Uh, Shelley got tons of near falls with various cradles until Shocker got one of his own for the pin. This was my favorite match of the show. Three and a quarter stars. So Dave uh, was really enjoying the Shocker Alex Shelley match. I'm surprised that that was his favorite match. Me too. Uh, they did show the countdown of the top five greatest moments in TNA history because, of course, this was the anniversary. If you guys want to know what they had to say about those, well, go listen to the Slammiversary episode and you can hear the cool countdown during the show. Voted on by the fans, of course. Uh, Ron Killings pinned the Outlaw in seven minutes, 35 seconds. Before the match, they showed three left crew together. Neither Killings nor Conan trusted BG James. This was the weakest match on the show, as Outlaw just didn't seem to want to do much. He also seemed to suck all the excitement out of the crowd. Killings escaped from a Cobra Cut slam and got behind Outlaw for the reverse cradle, a rolling reverse cradle, which was botched uh, to the point because Outlaw's shoulders weren't even held down. The ref counted three just to get it over. (laughs) Outlaw attacked Killings after the match and gave him a Cobra Clutch slam. Fans were cheering for him and chanting New Age Outlaws. So even though Three Life Crew had been the favorite act, they now want the reunion. Outlaw grabbed the chair, uh, but James ran in and took it away. Fans chanted, and James never hit Outlaw. Outlaw turned his back on James, who did nothing. Conan ran in, attacked Outlaw, who then escaped. He gave this match one and a quarter stars. Hmm, that's generous. That's better for Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens, the Naturals. They retained the NWA tag team titles over Petey Williams and Eric Young in 15 minutes, 13 seconds. Fans were chanting Candido during the match. 
Young did the fake knee injury spot and then jumped Stevens. Nobody bought the knee injury. Uh, the finish saw Demore hit Douglas with a hockey stick. Uh, at that point, a megaphone made its way into the ring and hit Steve- and Stevens hit Williams with it, allowing Douglas to score the pin. Williams' face was busted by the megaphone. Uh, I think his nose was bleeding, if I remember correctly. Um, then Jimmy Hart was at ringside. Uh, by this point, uh, to explain the megaphone, so Hart debuted as the Naturals' mystery manager that they've been teasing for several weeks. Two and three-quarter stars. Oh, there you go. Uh, next up, the debut. We've been waiting a long time for this one. Samoa Joe has made his DNA debut, and he defeated Sanjay Dutt in 6 minutes and 24 seconds. Uh, Dave notes that some people knew who Joe was with the chance of Joe's going, Joe is going to kill you, but it seemed uh, like they were in the minority, uh, which is fair. It's fair, uh, especially, especially with the universal crowd. I mean, come on. Uh, Joe, Joe came across exactly how he should have with some very believable offense. Uh, Duck got near fall with a 450 and then missed the Hindu press. Uh, Joe did some fast punches followed by the muscle buster and the uh, rear naked choke. And he gives us two and a half stars. Up next, Bobby Roode pinned Lance Hoyt in seven minutes and 23 seconds. Demore kept interfering in the match as well. Hoyt used a choke slam and then went up for moonsault, but Demore stopped him. Hoyt is a cult favorite in Orlando because he drinks with so many of the fans after the show at a local bar. Oh, okay. Well, there's that then. That's funny. Um, and a bunch of other stuff happened in the match. So uh, Hoyt chokes him to more uh, and finished him with a moonsault with the idea that this was to be an injury angle. So uh, they're trying to write him off. The idea uh, here is so sorry. I said that part already. Demore went out on a stretcher. Uh, with Demore so busy with booking, he decided to take himself off as talent for now. The idea is with him out of the picture, Team Canada is going to have to up their game on interviews. And when needed, uh, Demore can return. Um, he gives us two stars. I like that he's taking out by Moonsault. He's like, I got that's it. I didn't realize that he was the head booker. Demore. I think we... I think we heard at one point that he was heavily involved in it, but I think it was a very brief thing that we talked about. Um, but at this point, I do find that pretty interesting, isn't it? It's like not something you think about. Yeah, and by head booker, I mean, I guess like the leader of the committee, right? Yeah, I think that's probably pretty accurate, though. Yeah. It's like him. I think he's involved with like Tanae and JB and all that kind of stuff. Right. Up next, Chris Harris and James Storm defeated. Conan and BG James in 6 minutes and 56 seconds. This was more of an angle than a match. Conan did the shoe spot, which is Bob's favorite. MW worked his heels. Uh, it's pretty clear that they are starting a turn anyway. Uh, when James made the hot tag, fans chanted, We want Outlaw. Outlaw finally came out and started brawling with Conan outside the ring. Inside the ring, Harrison Storm double-teamed James using the old heart attack finisher. And Storm pinned James, which as we noted, this is not normally... Um, what they win matches with, so it was very yeah. interesting. After the match, fans were again chanting New Age Outlaws. Conan tried to apologize, but James argued with him and walked out on him. One and a quarter star. Up next, Christopher Daniels won the three-way over Michael Shane and Chris Sabin in 17 minutes and 6 seconds to keep the X Division title. Not as good as I would have expected, Dave says, as the beginning looked too choreographed and the brawling by Shane and Sabin wasn't good. The flying was excellent. Now, Trinity, who is making noises about wanting to out, 
after attending the ECW pay-per-view show, was wearing almost nothing. And what that means is she was wearing Bob's favorite uh, Trinity attire. That's right. Uh, Trinity did the, the Trinity did the move uh, to Shane and pinned him in uh, ten minutes fifty six seconds. I missed a part of there. Let me rewind. Daniels tried to give the Angels wings to Trinity while Saban locked Shane in the cradle shock. Saban refused to help. Saban refused to help Trinity. Did the move to Shane, then pinned him. There we go. I missed the beginning part of that. Daniels then did the Angels wings to Trinity. Because remember, he was threatening that he was going to do it. Right. Um, the story here was that Saban and Trinity was uh, just a business relationship. So Saban blew Trinity off as uh, being injured. Didn't care. Um, Saban went for the cradle shock again. But Daniels escaped and crouched him and then hit the Angels wings for the pin. Three and a quarter stars. Um, and I'll just I'll just say this here because I don't think it's really a major spoiler. Um Trinity was not at TV, so we're not going to see her probably for, you know, some time here. If not, again, this is potentially writing her off TV. Wow. Um, I don't know for sure, but she wasn't at the taping. So I thought that was pretty interesting nonetheless. Wow. And then finally, the main event of Slammiversary. Raven won the NWA title in the King of the Mountain match over previous champ AJ Styles. Abyss, Sean Waltman, and Monty Brown in 14 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, a qu- quite short King of the Mountain match. Um, even we were saying that during the show. It was like, we were getting close to the end. We were like, what's about to happen? It was crazy. Yeah. Um, we, we know the rules. He writes out all that here. Uh, it came off as messy with one fall after another and lots of weapons. And I, I say this note because that's kind of the point. There's supposed yeah. to be lots of falls and lots of weapons. That's yeah, the point. It's not, it's not really supposed to be organized. No. Take other mountains are best when they're out of control. Uh, Styles did lots of incredible moves and was kind of a one-man show here, he says. Uh, the match turned into a bunch of garbage can shots, he says, which I'm also pointing out because, yeah, we want the weapons. Um, Styles came off the top rope with a uh, spiral tap dive onto Abyss on a table on the floor. So he put him through a table. It was crazy. Uh, Styles took a head... A header over top rope through a table. Uh, Brown pounced Abyss off the ladder through a v- table that was up in the corner. Raven grabbed the bell, climbed up, and hung it. It was kind of anticlimactic the way the finish came off. The crowd was chanting for Raven, who was the only guy who bled in the match, as the show went off the air. He gives us three stars. And, of course, there's many other spots, but that's that's your cliff note version. Yeah. Um, he, Dude, there we go. We did it. That was Slammiversary. Um, Bob, it seemed like you uh, you didn't seem to disagree with some of his star ratings, so uh, it seems like he did, didn't did do too bad there, huh? No, the, well, it's like I told you. I mean, I, I gave it a slight thumbs up, Slammiversary in general. I didn't feel like there was that one, you know, memorable match that uh, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of pay-per-views have. I think that's fair. I mean, reading through this, too, it's like, I really think the only thing that stands out is kind of the King of the Mountain. I mean, I like the X Division three-way a lot. I even said it during the show, and I also said I even liked that opening match a lot because it was really fast-paced and everything. And I think Shocker and Shelly was better than we expected as well. So it's like, once again, the X Division shining, and then you had, like, a crazy stipulation main event. And, like, I think everything else was kind of just there. Yeah, he didn't have anything three and a half or higher. 
Everything was like three and a quarter or lower. Yes, I'm double checking. And I think, yeah. and I think that's fair. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely not the strongest pay per view we've seen. That's for sure. No, but I think you know they. I think they did the best they could considering um, they didn't have three weeks of television. Yeah, yeah. To do anything, I think that's extremely accurate. Yeah. So. Uh, now the next one, the next pay per view we have is um, No Surrender, right? Yes, July seventeenth, I believe. July seventeenth, yeah, because we're four TVs away from that. That's right. That's yeah, about right. All right. Well, Bob's falling asleep on us. I am. I've been up since five a.m. Okay, can't help it. And we're doing the show at nine thirty at night, so you know, <laughs> off my day. <laughs> Yeah, we just downloaded it off TNAWrestling.com. <laughs> um, I said I had a note about that too, but I think it's on, on next week's show, so stay tuned. But it's pretty it's a pretty interesting thing about um what you gotta do to download it. Yeah, it's probably a headache. Um all right. But you know what? Slam Reverse didn't have a lead in for any television, but luckily no surrender has four weeks worth, and we gotta start with the first week today. Mm-hmm. It is time to watch the June 24th, 2005 edition of TNA Impact. I'm going to count down from three when I say play. That's when you're going to want to, want to hit that good old-fashioned play button, whether it's on Impact Plus or it's in your own personal collection. Let's get ready to uh, watch some Impact. Three, two, one, play. This is TNA. Are we still the new face of professional wrestling? We've been talking about that for like a year now. Yeah, it is. Hmm. Okay, we're starting off with JB talking. We're getting stills from the show. Interestingly enough, we're seeing Lance Hoyt take out Scott Demore first. Samoa Joe. Lance Hoyt lost his match. No, didn't he win? Didn't I just say that? Didn't Bobby Roode hit him with a clothesline from behind and he pinned him? And then Hoyt attacked Demore after that. Oh yeah, you're right. Hoyt did he? Yeah, he lost. Yeah, you're right. Well, I say that because on the show well, they're making it sound like as if Hoyt won. Well, yeah, they're hyping up. So we're seeing stills from the pre-show, which is interesting since it was free. They could have just. Oh, see, they barely show his face there. Yeah, you can't really see him. See, they didn't show a guitar shot there. I don't know. Whatever. doesn't matter. Maybe he just pulled him over. I thought he'd use a guitar. Well, you may might have. We'd have to go back. I literally do not remember. That stuff happened so fast during the show. Here's some stills from the King of the Mountain match. Now, I'd like to point out to everyone, I mentioned it to Bob before, we are actually watching the version that aired on Sun Sports, because we've got a Sun Sports logo up in the top. So we are the rare people watching on the Florida FSN Premium Station. Do you think there was anybody that bought the premium to just watch Impact in Florida? No. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah. You could drive and go and see it. Why would you pay for it? Oh, Bob. It's the same shitty intro. We thought we had a new one. 
Oh my god, it's the same videos and everything. Oh my god. We thought at Slim Rooster, guys. If you if you happen to miss our Slim Rooster episode, we thought we had a new intro. Um we, we don't. We don't. I guess it was just for Slim Rooster. <laughs> Here comes Michael Shane. With Tracy, of course. Let's see here. Um, oh, we should have. We're probably about to have a shit done of indie notes. I was just gonna say, Michael Shane has a couple here. So at uh, the May twenty first NBA Cyberspace, which I believe is a internet taping show, uh, Michael Shane defeated. Elix Skipper to become the number one contender for the NWA Cyber, Cyberspace Heavyweight Championship. He also teamed up with Slick Wagner Brown to defeat Abyss and Rodney Mack. And then he is fighting James Storm. Harris who, Chris Harris at ringside, yep. Uh, on May 21st, uh, Chris Sabin defeated James Storm for at uh, 3PW's Mayhem. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And then on June 18th, America's Most Wanted lost to Blackballed, the 3PW Tag Team Champions, Greg Matthews and Rockin' Rebel at 3PW's Resurrection, which is ironically their final show. Oh. No more 3PW after June 18th. Okay, so Bob, this is also um, new for us here. There's no Fox box. There's no countdown of the match oh, time stuff. Are you going to miss that? Yeah, dude, you're right. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Totally forgot about that. I really fucking hate that Sun Sports logo up in the top right, though. Yeah, number one, if you have a logo, it should be on the bottom. Dude, I freaking hate this right now. Like bottom left, not upper right. Even bottom right. One of those, something. Something that's not this. And it's so bright and stuff. Yeah, damn, yellow. Damn 2005 TV. Where they're stupid, like, st- oh, I hate stupid love. Stupid. Michael Shane chopping James Storm in the corner. Rudy Charles here. He's, he's not wearing his old school referee shirt anymore. That was only for the three-year anniversary. I wonder if Sun Sports still exists. I don't know. Your premium thing. Probably not. James Storm. Uh, uh, they away. Like they did mention in commentary that Raven was not supposed to be at Slammiversary, by the way. So as the note said, he's like just wasn't supposed to be there because he was fired. So they're reiterating the fact that Raven was not supposed to be there. Yeah, but like, how did he get there? He walked through a crowd, dude. They showed us the stills. Yeah. They paid for his travel, they paid for his hotel room, and he was there. Actually, doesn't he live in Georgia? He probably just drove in. Uh, he could have, yeah. Remember, him, Glenn, and Vince Russo used to drive together to the asylum. That's true. Yeah. Power sent by Storm, but he can't put Michael Shane away just yet. Sits him on the top turnbuckle. Delivers a right hand. Oh, Tracy's looking to stop a superplex and crotches Storm on the top rope. 
Oh, Metal Rope Swing, Neckbreaker by Michael Shane. Oh. Harris is going to handcuff Tracy, it looks like. Oh, Shea clubbed him. With the southpaw. Oh, Rudy Charles is kicking him out. So he saw that, but he doesn't want to DQ him. He's just saying, can you leave? Both well, of them. ejected. Tracy's like pants are falling down. Pick those up. Pull those up. No, those are my favorite pants. Your favorite pants. Yeah, I get to see your uh, butterfly tattoo. Jesus Christ. Okay, referees decide this match cannot get out of control. Dude, we've been seeing that stupid Fox box for so long. I keep looking up to see the time. So do I. It's not there. It's very weird. I feel like we're going to not really get like time limit draws as often and stuff anymore. Yeah, but you know what? We should because it'll be more surprising. They just. Before, we would just count it down. Oh, it was on Dynamite. They did a fucking time limit draw and it threw me off. I was like, what the fuck? Is that what the MJF Cole one? Yeah, because they didn't do. Normally, they're like 10, min- 10 minutes remain. Oh, I hate when they do that. Five minutes remain. And they didn't do that. And so it, I was shocked. WCW would always freaking do that. They'd be like, well, five minutes left. And it's like, really, dude? Now we are now we know. The difference is that they do it even when there's not time limit draws. Oh, like, like in AEW? Left in the, how, well, how do they do it? There's no time limit. Because well, technically, I think this is like a standard of... I think that there is a time limit, technically. I don't, I don't know. Oh, look at that. Michael Shane pulling out the Shane Douglas belly-to-belly suplex. You'll remember Shane Douglas was his mentor back in 2004. I like that he does that, and it's got that's got to be why. Probably. But yeah, he didn't win with it. Shane Douglas would win with it. Yeah, he would. So he didn't teach him all of his tricks. He can't. He can't give them all. I'm sure his only other trick would have been like a handful of tights or putting a chain around his fist. <laughs> and spit making it super Spinning obvious. it around. That way everybody knows. Gotta love it. Shane laying in some right hands in the corner of James Storm. Now he's stepping on his freaking throat. Why can you put a throat on a neck, but you can't do like a, a rear naked choke when it's under the chin? Why Why can't you? What? Why can't you like choke someone like a choke hold, but you can step on their neck? You can't step on their neck. He was the same one, two, three. Oh, he was doing it. I'm just yeah, saying. Count them off. I'm just saying. Well, because you're stepping on a person's neck, you're not necessarily choking them. I guess that's accurate. You know. Flips around the kick. Oh, Insiguri by James Storm. Michael Shane thought he was being tricky by doing it. Oh, by the way, I don't have a crowd number for this taping. There's nothing listed. 775. After pay-per-views, it's either low or high. And it looks fairly full. I mean, obviously, they can range people, but... Yeah. 
Let's see how if it changes as we go these next few weeks because they filmed four shows. I want to see if yeah, I'm going to see if the same people are in there. So I I'm noticing a guy with a red shirt near like the middle of the uh, hard cam. I'm going to see. Ooh, that almost got messed up with Tilted War Hudson, yeah, but almost... he got it covered. Two. Well, it's interesting because I when I pull the in the observer they list like from the taping so i pull those and i was like why is this so long wait tracy grabbed alex shelley why she grabbed alex shelley whirly bird eye of the storm goes for the cover kick out Alex Shelley is probably like, listen, I dealt with a woman here before. I was a baby bearer. I didn't really like it. I don't want to do it again. Oh, that is giving me baby bear vibes, isn't it? Yeah. Like, listen to me. Do this for me. Yeah. Oh, clothesline by Shane. No, Storm kicks out. Crowd getting behind Storm. Gets set in the corner. Shane charges, runs into a boot. I gotta put that cowboy hat on. He goes, he's like, all right. No, that's the, that's just the hang, the, like the hangman neck, noose neck breaker or something. Uh, Eight second well, ride is like the, it's pretty it's much a catatonic, reverse, isn't it, it? It's a reverse tornado DDT. Well, that's what he just did, yeah, but he calls it a, something else, okay? Irish Whip comes back. Oh, my God. He popped him up, and Michael Shane hit Rudy Charles to knock Alex Shelley off the apron. Oh, my God. Here we go. What's he doing? Is That wasn't the eight-second ride, was it? No. What the heck was that move? I don't know what the hell that was called. Oh, shit. Super oh. kick to Alex Shelley. It kind of hit him in the stomach, it looks like, the way Shelley's yeah, selling that. Oh. That's an upset. Now, normally I would tell you this next week, but I got an upper here. And I didn't notice when it happened. That's why I'm very curious. Apparently, Michael Shane suffered, suffered a hyperextended knee in this match, but it doesn't look like it really affected him too much. Huh. Oh, looks like he's holding it. Well, I thought he was holding it. It kind of looked like he might have been holding it. Uh, what part in the? But like he then he stopped and then he like ran after him. So I don't know. Yeah, he's definitely favoring it. Oh, oh, oh! Father James Mitchell is talking to Abyss backstage. He's talking about how he was so close to winning the title. Fearsome of presence you've been here in TNA. One thing you deserve that you have not been giving is a one-on-one championship match. Also, James Mitchell's wearing not red. It's purple. Different look for him here. 
So it sounds like an elevator pitch of some kind, does it not? Yeah, but I, I hate how he was like backstage politics and shit. I mean, uh, for Abyss. I know. The character. Like, I don't know Abyss tried to walk away and then, well, he he pulled him and then he just did a <laughs> scared the shit out of him. He just needs one chance, Abyss. Okay, so this is like he's trying to pitch it that he wants to manage him. Yeah, but didn't he? he I don't know. I thought like, he was always trying to say he was like a business dad. Maybe that's not something we know yet. I don't know. Um, we are doing a earlier today interview in the ring at an empty arena with Conan and Ronald Truth Killings with Mike Tanay. There's an empty chair where BG James should be. Conan says, I'm going to keep it real. It hurts. <laughs> he made a mistake. He made, yeah. He's going to fess up to it. What a man. What a good guy. For that. My bad. bad. Cost us the match. He's not here. He hasn't called us. We don't know why. Wait a second. Oh, it's the outlaw. Who has a microphone, which is kind of funny. Who's getting the ring behind him? Listen to BG himself. Oh, it's Monty Brown. Okay. I thought that's who it was, but he's really just... He, he's dressed up in the 3 Life Crew outfit. As yeah, he is. BG James. So now the Outlaw and Monty Brown are going after uh, Ron Killings and Conan. Mike Tanay, go ahead and run off. Oh, my God. BG, give it to him. Okay, they're doing, like, the New Age Outlaws whole thing. Yeah. Except it's Mountie Brown. Mr. Giving It To You Raw, the outlaw. The two live crew. Whoa, <laughs> that was interesting. That was weird. What do you think of that? That was uh, that was ripped ripped AF. David Young coming out next. Well, there's no indie notes for uh, David Young. He's just been chilling. Well, he's probably working indies that aren't even relevant. Oh. Good Good for him. So it's like he's about to fight Shark Boy. Uh, there's kind of one interesting one here. On May 29th at uh, the Fist debut show in Peoria, Illinois, Shark Boy defeated Eddie Kingston. Oh, that is very interesting. There you go. Oh, David Young went right after him. Um, I'll give you something too here, Bob, just for fun. Um, remember how we heard about this guy, Dave Nelson, who was going to p- try to buy t- in TNA? Yeah. Um, he was, so, he, yeah, well, he's now claiming that he has formed a company called World Wrestling Association and will be producing the first pay-per-view event in October. 
He also stated that they have inked a deal with Sid Vicious to be a part of the company. Oh. He's also claiming to have a national TV deal with a Saturday at 6 p.m. time slot, but uh-huh. wouldn't say the station or when the show starts. <laughs> yeah, of course he wouldn't. It's pretty funny. Yeah, of course he wouldn't. Um, you know, speaking of people who could buy, I just was thinking about this earlier uh, as we've been doing the show. As Dave Young gets a two count after a power slam, what if Universal bought TNA? Whoa! And just kept it as an attraction. I think they probably could have done that. I mean, I don't think it would have lasted this now twenty plus years, probably. but. But I do think that's something they could have done. That's a really interesting idea. I mean, it clearly, I would say most of the time, draws as an attraction fairly well. Sure. I mean, compared to, I don't know, I guess I don't know all the other attractions they have. But, I mean, just in general, like, I feel like it seems to do fairly well. Mm. Legal battle. They're talking about the legal battle. About Shark Boy going against the movie Shark Boy Lava Girl. Mm. About the trademark, dude. Dude, this is so funny. What is going on between him and the producers of Shark Boy and Lava Girl? It's the only reason why he's getting a pay per view win and now also a TV match. I know, it's kind of funny. Where he is likely going to win because it's David Year. I think it's pretty funny, which I like Shark Boy, so I don't care, but. I, I, don't just, I don't care. I just think it's funny, especially at this point where they're, it's very clear that's why they're pushing him. Yeah. The more you see him in the ring, the more respect you have for him. Is he going to bite his forehead? Yeah. Nine? Nope. Ah. <laughs> now, technically, since he's a shark, you should probably do a blade jab on that. That's a good point. He definitely should be blading. Oh, the jawbreaker. Oh, and Ooh, I like that move. Yeah, David Young driving Shark Boy down in that gut first after like a swing side slam. But he can't quite get a three. Rocky Road for David Young the last two years. Try ever since he's been here. <laughs> you guys had, him again. These guys had match graphics saying 0 oh, and 71. Oh my That's God. not good. DSD? No. Wow. Oh, he holds on to the ropes. You don't see that very often that it's counted. Actually, that's pretty true. But he got it with a roll-up anyways. I feel like I would have just put him over with the finisher against David Young, but what do yeah, I Yeah, just hit the finish. I know we got a couple years, but can we can we do the fun Shark Boy stuff soon? Oh, shell, yeah. I want it so fucking bad, dude. We'll be there before you know. I know. He, he'll maybe have won a lawsuit by now. I can't believe we haven't had a note about that, actually. Since I just talked about in Slam anniversary about him, like, doing the lawsuit. Well, it probably won't be, like, a resolution for that for a while. Wow, right. All right, so 
But they just said Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, and Elix Skipper are fighting tonight, and something about Samoa Joe. So it seems like we got some good stuff ahead of us. Wait, another backstage. Jarrett's talking to Larry Zabisco. You had your title shot. King of the Mountain was your title shot. It's not my fault you beat up a fan and got dragged away by the cops. Oh, they're saying Abyss deserves a touch shot more than anybody. It kind of made it just seem like he's fighting Raven and no surrender. Yeah. You're going to be waiting in line a long time. Oh, there's a new talent. He's talking about a new talent. So it sounds like Jarrett, there's a chance that he could fight someone new. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Samoa, Samoa Joe time, Joe. baby. Wearing the outsiders uh, colors, wolf pack. Um, Samoa Joe, ladies and gentlemen, he is the current Ring of Honor pure champion. And oh. uh, the day before Slammiversary, he defeated Colt Cabana at Death Before Dishonor three to retain that title on June eighteenth. He also on June twelfth defeated Nigel McGinnis to retain the pure title. And back on June 4th, he defeated James Gibson at New Frontiers to retain the Ring of Honor Pure Championship. Just so, just a couple of nobodies. Yeah. Uh, back on May 21st at J- uh, Jersey All Pro's Brain Tree Invasion, Jay Lethal won the uh, JAPW Heavyweight Championship, defeating Homicide, who is a champion, Kevin Steen and Samoa Joe. And uh, yeah. I'm not going to go through the entire history of uh, some of Joe's stuff here before. Although back on March 19th, and I believe this would be their final encounter, singles encounter, Samoa Joe defeated CM Punk. Wow. Uh, so Samoa Joe's fighting Delirious, who you know, some people like. I'm not one of those people. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I just don't get it. I get it in the sense of, like he's crazy. Um, I've seen probably far too many, like thirty-five minute delirious matches. Oh yeah, I don't think I could do that. Where it's like, okay, I get it. He's Running high knee in the corner. He's not that great. So, well, I don't know why. Well, so. Samoa Joe's about to give him a nice face wash here in the corner. Um, couple couple boots to face. He's about to do a running, a one and one in a second. Um, so the thing is, like, I think the first couple times I saw him uh, in 2CW was my first exposure to Delirious. Okay. Um, I think it's fine. It was it was interesting, I guess. But, like, the more I've seen, I'm like, nah. Does it have to do with anything, like, with the fact that he was the Ring of Honor booker? Uh, no, but that doesn't help his case. Okay. I just read, um, I think it's I, rumor. I don't know if it is a rumor or not. Apparently, he's about to be um, on the creative for Impact current day because Jimmy Jacobs has left. And um, he was current. And he, he was. Drops, like the upper yeah. Shoulder. That's, that's nice. nice. Um, and he was obviously Ring of Honor Booker even up until they 
had the hiatus before Tony Khan bought him. And, like, that stuff wasn't that good. So I'm a little worried. Look at this abdominal stretch. Not a normal one, by the way. Holy shit, dude. Oh, I thought he was about to call it. And be like, I thought That's... he was going to call it, too. Yeah, well, I'm excited about Jimmy Jacobs being an AEW. Oh, yeah, I mean, come on. And yeah, delirious though at Impact, oof, that might be. Because to be honest, Impact's kind of been, I feel like, struggling for a little bit. Like, creative-wise, that's just me. They're doing a Demore bully match, right? Oh, dude, it's already, it's booked. It is? It's, like they it's a tag match, though. Oh, I thought they were doing a singles match. Let me pull it up here. Um, it's at Slammiversary. Oh. I thought they would do like a singles match at Bound for Glory. I guess they could still do it. So right now, okay, so I'll just tell you what I know as I'm going. Oh, this is so funny. Um, okay, so Deanna and Trinity for the knockouts title. That's going to be awesome. Not Trinity, our era. Trinity Not our era, current. Trinity fought two. Um, then I'm just seeing, because they're sharing Demore, Demore and Dusty Rhodes fighting from the Asylum. Oh, okay. Um, September 8th, 2004, uh, because they're hyping up the Demore match. Also, just say classic CM Punk matches, which if you're if you're not the My World podcast, you know, because you guys listen to the TNA Crossline podcast. The CM Punk debuted in August '02, not 2003. Right. And Muscle Buster. And that should. Well, no, he's got to do his choke, of course. Okay, I found it. And yes, and that should do. What? What the fuck? Why did he count a pinfall? That the was not a clutch. Yeah, but why did Slick? Oh count well, they're saying he submitted, so they're covering for the fact that Slick just counted a pin. Well, today even just made a joke reference about it. Anyways, he won. Um, so Bob, the match at Slammiversary is Bully Ray and Steve Macklin against Scott Demore and PCO. I didn't get that at first, but they're both Canadians, so it makes sense of why he's with PCO. Where is the show for Slammiversary? I think it's in Canada. Oh, is it in Toronto? I think it what is. is Win- Windsor. It's in Windsor. Oh, Eric Skipper's waiting at the top of the aisle. Oh, he's fighting Daniels. Yeah. Oh, this motherfucker. Smart. Oh, he attacked him from behind. Daniels never saw that one coming. Daniels has a new jacket. It looks like I don't think he had that on Slamiversary, did he? I don't think so. Uh, Eric Skipper's got a couple of indie notes in this non-title match. So the X-Division title is not online. Uh, on the same day here, June 24th, Eric Skipper lost to Trent Acid in a first-round match for the PWU Heavyweight Championship, which is Pro Wrestling Unplugged. And that was at the Animal House in mm. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Man, I wish I got to see Skipper wrestle. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Daniels retained the TNA X Division Championship by defeating El Generico on oh. June 11th at PWG Qatar Mageddon in Los Angeles, California. And then that is all there is for, for that. So that wraps up our indie notes. 
this time around. And if you guys are following along, by the way, we're 30 minutes and six seconds into the show. And a couple dumb, double underhook. He's beat the shit out of Daniels right now. Do you think that a non-title stipulation can mean that Skipper's about to win? Mm-hmm. Sure do. Earn a shot, fight it, no surrender, maybe? Yeah, essentially, I guess. Uh, I got two more notes for you, so I'm just kind of ready to give them to you here, Bob, because uh, they're kind of short. Um, with the new booking team, don't expect to see Johnny Fairplay anytime soon. Um, who about the only people in the company who thought he had anything were Rhodes and Dixie Carter? Uh, Fairplay is currently working on a movie reality show deal, uh, so I, I think we're kind of done with him at this point. You think that they're what? I think we're done with him. Like I don't, I don't think we're going to see him at all ever. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know if he does anything in wrestling anywhere, at least not like nationally. Interesting. A spin kick to the midsection by Skipper. Um, and here, I'll just give you the last note here, Bob. Uh, it's an interview note uh, from Jerry Lynn on audio wrestling. Uh, so the, he talks a, b- a bunch about ECW and stuff. But So he claimed that he was the one originally called to replace Chris Candido against Lance Storm at One Night Stand. Uh, but Johnny Ace um, nicks that. Um and he also said the reason TNA wrestlers didn't work the show was because of copyright issues, but we heard a lot of stuff about that already. So, so it was, was going to be Candino and Lance Storm at One Night Stand, and then it was going to be Jerry Lynn and Lance Storm at One Night Stand. And then they went with Jericho. They went with Jericho. Candido and Storm, that makes a lot of sense because of their history there. In 98, uh, Jerry Lynn... I mean, they, it all makes sense. That would have been cool to see Jerry Lynn. Um, that would have really cool. I do see everyone I've seen. It's kind of crazy. I can't say just WWF because, I mean, he he had competed in WWE before Jerry Lynn. Briefly. Right, right. But see, it would have been cool to see, like, him and even, like, I know we mentioned it when we were watching our Hardcore Homecoming slash One Night Stand combo there, but, like, him... Like Raven, like there's some like very notable people who were like not there. Yeah, Raven, Raven should have been there. Was yep. was Rhino there? I can't remember. Rhino was there. Rhino. Okay, I thought maybe he was, but the uh, obviously Douglas wasn't. Right. The thing that really just frustrates me is like, yeah, sure, there's copyright things, but if you go to TNA, you're like, hey guys. We'll give you $2 million so that we can use this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy to cover any kind of copyright or whatever. You don't think TNA is taking $2 million? Fucking better. I fucking would. I'd be like, sure. And can you mention that they're in TNA or something? And like, call it a day. My my favorite is when... WWE's like, we want to put Ric Flair in the Hall of Fame. And they're like, okay, we would like Christian Cage. Yeah. And, and he, did the way, not, he did not want to be there. You could tell. You could tell he probably felt so fucking awkward. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, he's an, he was an active competitor. 
right? He was still wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So and that, they had him come out to like announce like a moment or something, wasn't it? Like a. Yeah. No, wait, because... didn't they didn't they induct him into their Hall of Fame? No, I don't think so. Be a part of TNA Wrestling's No Surrender Live at the. This is we have a scroll at the bottom of the screen. Universal Studios, twenty one in Orlando, Florida. Matches announced. Okay, here we go. Samoa Joe against Chris Sabin. What? And then one. That's what's one that's match. It. That's it. That's all that's announced. Why didn't they show that during the Samoa Joe match? Yeah. Why didn't they mention that? Free parking. Free parking at City Walk after six p.m. Free admission to stage twenty-one through the Hard Rock Cafe gate. Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Don't miss no surrender. It's in quotes. Sunday, July seventeenth. Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Yeah, that's when you know this was this was aired locally. <laughs> no, he maybe he announced who was being inducted. He was not inducted though. I don't think. Now I gotta look. No, I'm looking it up. He's not. Okay. No, he's absolutely not. Did he? He might. He, he, he might have. No, he might have announced who was being inducted then, because they do the induction of Bound for Glory. He appeared at Slammiversary. Oh, he appeared at Slammiversary. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. Then, then that was like, yeah. He probably just announced a moment then. That's what I think. Because their first one was Sting, and he, she, he was inducted by Dixie. Yeah. Feet on the rope, but he gets caught. Daniels, shame on you. They're naming off Daniels' big moves. The last rights, the Koji clutch, Angel's wings. He's got a lot of them. Best moves ever. Best. There's this person. Um, it's a woman in NXT who does like something that reminds me of the BME, but it's like less good. But people fucking love it. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I don't think it looks that good though the way she does it, but I think maybe because she maybe she hops from the bottom rope, so she does bottom, middle, then top, and it looks goofy. Oh, because Daniels does middle top. But he also I don't know, the way he does it just I don't I can't I don't even know what her name is, so I can't even tell you because I don't watch that. I think I know who I think I know who you're You've definitely seen clips. Yeah, I've seen a clip of it. I you know, my fandom, I've reached a point now where when I ask a wrestling fan, like if I find out somebody's a wrestling fan, and I ask them, oh, hey, what year did you start watching? Every single time, it's 2008. Oh. And I've right. reached the point where it's like, oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, Tiffany something. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Tiffany Strand. Look how goofy that looks. Well, she, she has... She- Hands on it, bottom, middle, then top. I don't like it. The moonsault looks good. The moonsault itself is fine, yeah. yeah. And this person writes, she achieved moonsault perfection. Okay. Huh. Okay, sounds good. Appreciate her watching Christopher Daniels matches, I guess. Yeah, but Daniels doesn't have to hold on to the ropes. Just that's does. that's what I mean. That's why Daniels is, looks... Oh, oh. yeah. Absolutely beautiful spin kick by Elix Skipper. This is going long. Do you think this is about to close the show? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Boom. Look at Daniels. Okay, so in the slow-mo, it's very clear. Daniels gets his hands up. Skipper's leg still wrapped around his hand and hit his head. Yeah. 
That's how good he it was. He basically Bill Goldberg him. Basically, except Daniels would still have a career for a while. Yeah, for like 20 years. Yeah, he's still wrestling. Not as much, but... Still. Still, still, still impressive. I do feel like these guys have decent chemistry. So it happens when you know each other so well. You were uh, one of the top tag teams for a while here in TNA. Yeah. I think they work very well together, though, yeah. It's very clear to me. I think it was like a reverse headlock takeover. Daniels is going up the ramp here. Skipper throws him back into the ring, though. No, you ain't leaving. Daniels runs and goes out the other side. Here you go. Skipper. Corkscrew. Corkscrew's plancha. What is this? We miss Johnny Devine. It says Johnny Devine, yeah. I do too. Do you miss Johnny Devine? I've yet to hear you say one time I miss Johnny Devine. I feel like when the Team Canada comes out, I'm like, man, I wish Devine was here. You've literally never said that. But I think it. Oh, okay. The buckshot lariat by Skipper, but you know what? He kicked out. And let me tell you, he does it better than Adam Page. He does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> He does better than CM Punk, that's for sure. Wow. CM Punk breaks his fucking ankle when he does it. Yeah. Going for Angel's Wings, but Skipper lifted him up, slammed him against the rope, and now tilt to whirl. Slam. I thought I thought Daniels hit a flatliner. So did I at first. I was confused. Oh, foot on the rope, foot on the rope. Acting like he almost got him there, but no. That's what you get when you've been wrestling for 13 years. Wow. He's wrestled that long. That's gross. <laughs> what, they say 13 years? Yeah, in 2005, 2005. That's fucking nuts. How is that a thing? I feel like it'd be maybe five at this point. If you were at me be guess, I would have said like five. I probably would have said that too, yeah. Maybe like 99. That's what I was... Okay, yeah, so like six. Six years. Because that late WCW stuff. Right. Koji Clutch here on Elix Skipper. Yeah, Daniels is the one that does a springboard and it almost breaks his neck. Yeah, dude, I remember watching that. Oh! Taps out. Elix Skipper submits. Clean. Wow. He held on for a minute, though. Yeah, that was a good win. Christopher Daniels is more than Mr. TNA. He is TNA. Oh, we're going to hear from Raven. All right, so Daniels quickly exits the ring. Uh, I really like the Koji Clutch, by the way. It's, uh, I'd say, one of my favorite submissions. It is a good fit. It is a good submission. Raven is coming out through the crowd. Where's the belt? It's around his waist. Oh, there it is. Okay. It like, blended in with his shirt. I know. I didn't see that first. Either. So he came from the behind the announce table table um, crowd area. I thought he was coming down the stairs, but then they changed the That's camera. what I thought, too, because the way the lighting was. NWA champion, Raven. It's honestly weird to see that ball around his waist and have him, like, legally hold it. Right. 
a little weird. Shout out to Raven intro of the show. You guys heard that on Slammiversary and many for the past three years, but. Okay, he's saying weird shit that if I'm going to try to say, I'm going to mess up, so I'm just not going to. Weird lights happening, too. He's not like, it's not normal lights. Wow, his life has been chronic abuse. All sorts of other stuff, but he's he's persevered. What about me? He's just fulfilled his destiny. I've become TNA's worst nightmare because I am now NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Oh, listen to that. Raven, Raven, Raven. Raven, Raven, Raven. And there he is. Now, these guys have long history together. Yes. Raven, you thought you'd never see me again after leaving me for dead. That's right, dude. Wow. I got news for you, champ. I'm alive and well. I'm going to personally see to it that the only thing that you're destined for is something that I missed because I was talking. Let me turn this up. Raven is excited that he's returned for a second helping of the Raven effect. Crowd pop for that. A lot of talk for the soon-to-be ex-champion. You're trying to get on the bandwagon of, oh, please, please, Abyss, let me be your manager. Revenge is, oh, revenge is a uh, best served cold. And dinner is served, and here comes Abyss from behind, but Raven, Raven uh, saw that coming. Discus clothesline. So, the, okay, they're saying they closed the deal. So, Bob, write it down. June 24th, 2005. Jim Mitchell is finally a business manager. Black hole slam. This is taking out uh, Raven. And that closes the show. Was that... Did it really just end that fast? I was not. Yeah. It like scared. I thought my thing closed and then you didn't no. say anything. And I was like, what that was that? it. I also thought you were frozen. It's a 45 minute show. Okay. We just didn't get like the end credit. Okay. That really threw me off. Very hardcore right there at the end. Okay. Um, well, uh, I guess where you at, Bob? Uh, what did you think of that? Our first um, internet show post Slammiversary. Uh, I thought it was good. I did too. I actually enjoyed that show quite a bit. Um, and holy shit, am I excited that Jim Mitchell's back? Yeah, that's pretty huge. Um, 
And, you know, we have our main event, I guess, for No Surrender already mm-hmm. in place. Yeah. So that's good. Um, I guess we don't really know what Daniels is doing, but Samoa Joe and Saban uh, on pay-per-view, that should be pretty good. So right now we just know Raven and Abyss and then Joe Saban. That's not bad. That's no. a pretty good one-two punch already. I'm a little sad that that means Saban's probably going to get his ass whooped, but... Um... I think he'll make it more competitive than Sanjay Dutt. Then I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah, man, I agree. Definitely, that's a thumbs-up episode to me. I thought that was a very nice show. And um, I'm excited to see what's next. I'm a little nervous after the next one to see what happens since we're taping all these at once. Yeah, But I think it should be interesting. Um, Yeah, I guess that's really all I got. Um... I'm sure we'll talk about some fun stuff next week, but here we are. Jim Mitchell's back, and Raven and Abyss are fighting at No Surrender, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, continue on these um, these uh, internet exclusives because, like I said before, um, I've not ever seen them, so. That will be interesting. All right. Dallas, you got anything else or no? I think that covers us for uh, this week, Bob. Let's find out what happens next week in the Impact Zone with all this new stuff. And I think things are going to start to come to a head very soon for a lot of these angles. So. Alrighty. Well, join us next week for the July 1st edition of impact and then we are just three weeks away from no stranger three weeks but four episodes away yeah yeah from we're almost there we're almost there. all right for dallas really i'm bob Gunn jr and this has been the tna cross the line podcast